Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Glad that you're here. If you're joining us by Facebook, we welcome you in. Glad for you to be part of the service. And I may be wrong, but do we have a little picture if we want to show it? And Miss Ella, Miss Ella Grace. There she was. And so her and mom was home watching uh, today, and so uh, I held her. I think yesterday, Christian brought her in there, and I was sitting there and. Been a few years since I did that, and so I was just telling her how it all worked, and, <laughs> and I said, you know, you're just kind of the queen of the roost to the king of the roost, and you can just do anything you think it, and it'll be done, <laughs> and you can't do any wrong. And she would just look at me them little eyes, and she smiled. I said, you can't do anything wrong, baby. You just whatever you do, you whatever you do, whatever you want to do, you just do it. And in three seconds, she started filling her diaper up. <laughs> And I said, and I'm and since I'm uh, a grandparent, I can do what I want to do. So here's your mama. <laughs> so everybody was happy. Well, she and I were happy. Hallelujah. Well, I'm kind of partial to her, but uh, she's a sweetheart. Amen. John chapter six. I thought Barbara was going to try to preach my message. I thought, well, I'll just turn her loose. And she was all over it. I said, well, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But you know, faith comes by what. Yeah, hearing, hearing by the Word of God. John chapter 6. I'd like to tell you this morning that Jesus doesn't need any advice. The Holy Spirit is not going after another degree. He's not trying to get his doctorate. And this comes in John 6, comes out of, we just want to pull some of it out of it, but the setting where Jesus fed the thousands of people and they had been following him and they were, uh, I guess, verse 5 says, Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come to him, and he said unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that they may eat? And this Jesus said to prove him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered and said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take even a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, well, there is a lad here. He has five barley loaves and two small fishes. He said, but you know, what's that among so many people? Jesus said, make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the man sat down and numbered about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, took what they had, and when he'd given things, he distributed it to the disciples and to the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise to the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remained, and nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered unto them twelve filled baskets with the fragments of five barter loaves which remained over above them, 
and to them who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracles Jesus did, said, this is of a truth that prophet should come into the world. And when Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed into a mountain alone. I want to skip down a few verses so you can see the event of the day and what took place, how astonished everyone was, of course. And uh, verse 26, well, I guess 25 to put it in a little bit of context. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, comest thou hither? And Jesus uh, answered them and said, Verily I say unto you, you seek me not because, of, because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and you were filled. Labor not or work not for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Which the Son of Man shall give unto him, for him hath God the Father sealed. And they said unto him, his disciples are saying, what can we do? What shall we do that we might do the, the mighty works of God? Jesus answered them. It's very important because how I answer this question really sets it from here on out. What are we going to do? What do we do to do the miracles that we saw? So the question once again is, what are we going to do to do the works of God? And Jesus has answered to the question, this is the work of God that you believe on him that he has sent. So the answer to the question is what? Believe. Just simply believe. And uh, today I want to ask you a question. And it'll have to do with your belief system. And then what do we do with our belief system? Your choices in life, what you're doing in life, the decisions that you've made in life up to this point, God gave us a free will. And uh, in that are the choices that we make, and that's determined our uh, decisions and our destiny, as it were. But it comes in the form of thoughts. Right? Thoughts. But I want to ask you this question. The, uh, the question, and it's, it, it may seem like, it may seem like, what kind of question is that? Well, the question is, do you think about what you think about? Do you ever think about what you think about? Sometimes someone will ask you about an event or a political thing or could be anything alive, could be a sport thing. And you know, the, people tell us, you know, opinions are like notice. We all have one. What's your opinion? But the question I want to propose to you again is, do you ever think about what you think about? And what do you think about it? So after 25 years, I'd say, of ministering in the capacity of a pastor, um, every fivefold ministry is different. Everyone is a, is a gift from God for the edifying of the body, for the building up to do the work of the ministry. And we all work together, not one greater than the other. But a pastor gets a different perspective. 
He gets to see the same people and they get to see Him. You become very familiar with me and I can become very familiar with you, but sometimes it can be dangerous. You know, because we really want to know people, we really want to know one another after the spirit and not after the flesh. Because there's flaws in the flesh. And he even said of Jesus, said that he, they said of Jesus, we've determined we're not ever going to know him after the flesh, but after the spirit. And once you're born again, you're a brand new man or woman. Now, if you like fish before he's born again, you're probably going to like it afterwards. So that's not part's not changing. If you were five foot six and you get born again, you probably won't wake up in the morning six four. That's not what changes it. It's the man on the inside. So after uh, observing for 25 years of ministry and probably being a Christian for over 35 years, uh, the major key, I believe, of living the life of a Christian of a life is the question I would say the most important thing is what do you believe and what do you what are your thoughts about what you believe? What is your thoughts? What is it that you truly believe? And are you established on those beliefs? So you can know you can know about something but not be established. You can have a general knowledge of how to do some things, but that doesn't make you a professional. I have worked on a few things in my home, although I don't really have, you know, I'm not going to build anything. I'm not going to do electrical work. I'm, I'm, I'm not a plumber. I'm not, I'm not any of those things. And uh, <clears throat> I think I could do some paint, but if you put a professional painter, you said, no, you can't. But anyway, uh, I figured all I had to do was please myself. Now I'm talking about the house, not my car. I've, I've, I had two friends who are pastors who painted their cars, and they said, what do you think? I said, don't ask me. Don't ask me. Amen. I said, how did you do that? They said, well, we used a certain kind of paint and, you know, we rolled it on. I said, well, like, with the, like I do on the wall. Oh, yeah. And it, I guess, you know, for what it was, it was decent until they took it to the car wash the first time. And I said, where's, where's your paint job? It's back there. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to come off. So, well, say law. <laughs> so I don't know how much money you saved. But anyway. It looked like a spotted leopard after that. You know, he didn't take all of it off, but it was a, like a Dalmatian, you know? Yeah. I want you to listen to this part right here because I think this is just the way it came to me. So the major key is based on what you think and you believe to be true. And I hope you listen to that. What do you think? The major key is based on what you think and what you believe to be true. Because you're never going to move beyond or live beyond what you think and you believe is true. Did you know that? You'll never move above or move beyond what you believe to be true unless you can change that thought pattern. Well, we won't go there. It's very familiar, but Proverbs 23, 7 bears this out. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart... Now, no, see, uh, now, he didn't say his mind. He said his heart. For us, that would be our spirit. What is it that you believe to be true? So as a man thinketh in his heart, that's who he is. Wow. Very familiar verse. But just think of the power of that one verse. What you believe, what you believe, truth or lie is is who you are. 
How many have learned some things through the years? Not necessarily here, maybe here, but just in life or from some someone or or in your own time in the Word or whatever that changed a belief that that you held for years that you just didn't have light on, and God gave you more light or gave revelation. Barbara's talking about the grace of God. Well, how many know? Once you come into the revelation of, of the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that, that changes everything. I mean, it changes everything. And especially when you discover that grace is not a teaching and grace is not a doctrine, that grace is a person. Although even the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of grace. And so um, uh, we're told that all of us have approximately, uh, I've heard much higher estimates of this and some a few lower so we just go right in the middle, that we have approximately around 50,000 thoughts a day that bombards our mind. And those thoughts will determine what you believe. 50,000 thoughts come to you, to your brain every day, bombarding you with all type of uh, thinking patterns. So the question I'll propose to you once again, a few more times, keep it in our thinking. The question is, do you think about what you think about. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We're cautioned in the Scripture to be cautious of what we see and what we hear. Because what we see and what we hear, if we apply faith to it, whether it's true or not true, we'll get the result of that, of that belief. So we'll talk about this in a moment. And this is where this is in the arena. This is where the kingdom of darkness, this is where Satan uh, believes that he has mastery. This is the only p- place that he believes he has mastery over you because he knows he doesn't have power over you. He doesn't have the anointing which removes the burden. He doesn't have God in him. So your greatest opponent, your adversary, is not even fighting you with God. Just think about that. Your greatest adversary doesn't have God, doesn't have the Holy Spirit, and does not have the Word of God, and has zero anointing. And look what he's done. What can we do with greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? So, we're going to talk about the battle for just a moment, and we're going to talk about the battleground. And I believe there's a nonstop battle that's being waged in our minds. Don't you? Yeah. 50,000 thoughts a day? 50,000 thoughts a day. What if I asked you to come give us a speech next week, and it needs to be 50,000 words? Who in here doesn't really like public speaking a whole lot? So would that kind of be heavy on your mind if you needed to bring 50,000 words next week? You say, forget 50,000. Well, I don't want to do 50. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, so we have the battle, we have the battleground. The battle's uh, ongoing. It's, it's going to be there as long as you're in the world. 
As long as you're here, there's going to be a battle. So when you, when you get to the place, you say, man, I'll just be glad because you've heard me say it before. I, I, was, I don't even know what I, was, what I was dealing with. But years and years and years ago, I just said, you know, I was just saying outwardly to the Lord, I'd be glad when this is over. He said, why? I said, I'm just, I don't want to, I'm tired of dealing with this thing. He said, why don't you just live by faith? And I says, what do you mean? He says, well, the just should live by faith. I said, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about this battle. I'd be glad when this battle's gone. He says, so when that battle leaves, he said, there'll be two, two more take his place. Huh? Just because you kill one skeeter. <laughs> out on the patio at five o'clock, don't mean there's not another one just around the corner. You ever got into a wash nest and there was more than one? I found some years ago, I was going to use a plug at the house and that I almost never use, and I, and I opened it up to use it and look at me it was about 40 eyes, which meant turn into 80. And uh, one, uh, I think Amy was with me. And, uh, and I opened it up to plug it, plug it in. She had a, an RV camper out there, and I was going to plug it in, plug it into her camper. And I, I said, well, we'll just use this. And I bought a cord to go to it and I opened it up. And I saw all these 40 eyes looking at me. I mean, there's probably 35 to 40 of them. So I saw, you know, double eyes. And you know what I did real, real fast, don't you? I slammed the little plastic cover down and I ran. <laughs> I ran. And uh, Amy was telling me, she said, you know, she, uh, she said, that's amazing. I said, yeah, that was a lot of wash. She says, yeah, and that's not what I'm talking about. I said, what's amazing? She said, I didn't know that you could run like that at your age. <laughs> she said, I am shocked. <laughs> I said, well, you ever heard of adrenaline? Man, I had a lot of want to. Because <laughs> I've been allergic to bites, you know, even from ants and stuff like that all my life. So I really wasn't look, wanting to tangle with 40 of them. And you can't have a discussion with them. So now, now wait, go, hang, let's just talk this out a moment. <laughs> but uh, I always found at night they go to sleep. So I revisited them that night. Thought they might be a little thirsty, so I had a little something for them. <laughs> I actually had a pole, I think it was, at a, uh, uh, yeah, a pole about 25 foot long, and I put some kind of contraption on it, and I had someone with a pole be 25 foot away because they wouldn't come out there. I said, well, just open. It'll be a slit. I ain't doing that. So I got a 25-foot pole with a little hook on the end. I said, now, open it up, and I'll stay here, and I'll spray them. And, um, and uh, so we got, we got rid of them. Well, there's always a battle, and the, the battleground from which the battle's always fought is going to be your mind. Not your heart, your mind. Satan's into real estate. He is. Well, he wanted all of heaven. So he wanted to become king of heaven. He wanted to become God. Well, if you're God, you're on everything. So he's big time into real estate. But the real estate he's after is your mind. Hmm? You say, well, he goes after the body. Well, he does, but, but, he, but he, he does that through the mind. And if he touches the body, he can touch the body, 
He'll go from there to the, to the, to the mind to continue to work in the body. So there's only a battle, uh, uh, to be fought and it's, it's, it's in the, it's in the mind. And, uh, what we have here is we have, uh, well, let me, let me back up. There's a scripture in Romans 7, 23, and Paul says about this nonstop battle. He said, I see another law at work in the members of my body waging a war against my mind. He said, there's another law working in me. It's in my members. He said, it's in my body. And where is it working at? He said, it's waging a warfare and it's waging it in my mind. So he said, there's a battle. It's ongoing. It's, it's not stopping. He said, but it's in my, it's waging this warfare in my mind. So not only is there a battle in your mind, there's a battle for your mind. Did you hear what I said? There's not just a battle in the mind. The battle is for your mind because he wants that real estate. So the battle is a choice between your thinking, which is spiritual thoughts, or you could say sinful flesh, uh, fleshly thoughts. So the battle for the mind is for control of what you think, of what you think when your mind and your soul is under attack. Now, another way of saying this is the battle is between the truth and a lie. Because we ought to get it really simple. The battle is between what is truth and what is a lie. And understanding that your soul and your mind is the real estate that he wants. And it's all going to be through who we choose and what we choose to believe to be true and what we choose to believe what is false. So I have, so what do you believe to be the truth? And do you ever think about what you're thinking about? Now, our key text, and we won't turn there for sake of time, but you know it well. Is John 8, 32. And we can trust the author of it. Barbara's talking about she can believe uh, those of you in here because she has a relationship with you and if you say you're going to do something, she believes you're going to do it. We can trust the author. The author of the scripture I'm about to read is Jesus. How many know Jesus wouldn't tell a lie? How about the rest of you? Okay, good. Otherwise, I'm going to change sermons real quick. <laughs> it says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Here's what he didn't say you shall know information, or you shall know knowledge. Satan has knowledge, Satan quotes scriptures, he quoted them to Jesus in the wilderness. I mean, imagine Lucifer. Satan is quoting the Bible. He's quoting the Word to Jesus, who is the Word. A fallen archangel is quoting the Word to the Word to see if he can deceive the Word. See, you don't think he thinks that you're you're easier prey? Well, we're not easier prey if we know the truth. 
and we're thinking about what we're thinking about. So here's the question. If the truth will set you free, then what will be the results from living from a lie? If the truth is setting us free as Jesus said it is, then what if you're believing something that is not true, but you believe to be true, where does that put us? The answer is living from a lie will keep you in bondage mm-hmm, to the lie that you believe. And that could be real subtle. There, for different people, it's different things. When you're four or five years old, having four kids of my own, you know, going to bed at night, that's a process. You know, most children just don't go to bed. There's, there's, it's like, go to bed. Now, there's, there's like 20,000 things that's got to, before they can ever go to sleep. I mean, how many times did you have to go out there and run monsters out from under the bed? Something lurking in the shadows. You know, there's, there's a, there's a huge, you know, a spider and it's, it's whatever. I saw it. There's four of them. Well, you and I both know there's not a monster under the bed. But maybe they believe it. And I never knew children could ever be so thirsty until they lay down. <laughs> and hungry. Never needed so many bathroom trips in their, in their whole life. Well, is there a monster under the bed? But how do you, t- how do you take a three-year-old, a four-year-old who, who, you know, or is storming outside? And it sounds bad. It sounds terrible. They're, they're afraid. And it's established on something that they believe to be true. That thunder is taking us out. No, it's not. You're, you're going to be fine. That monster under the bed, is the monster. But you see the power of a belief, a wrong belief. So what do you believe? And what do you, do you spend the time to think about what you believe? What do you think about about what you think about? Because there's going to be a nonstop war on the mind. As Paul said, he said, there is a war going on, on the inside of me, and it, but it's warring against the, he says, the members of my body, and the member of my body is waging a, war for, a warfare against my mind. <clears throat> Amen. So what we think about will determine who has control of your mind, which will determine your feelings now. Hmm? What you believe to be true will determine your feelings. It will direct all your emotions. It will determine your choices, which will determine your future and your destiny. The battleground is for control of our mind. Whoever or whatever is controlling your mind, your thoughts, and your belief is who is controlling your life today, October the 6th, 2019. Don't need to say it again. Who, whatever, is controlling your thoughts or your beliefs? I mean, just take it in any area. Barbara's talking in the financial room a while ago. What do you believe about that? Well, my business is down. Well, I've been in it for years. I've seen a lot of down times. Hmm? Saw some great days. We've all had more or less at times, right? 
this happened or that happened. This tore up and that tore up and, you know, you didn't schedule it in. Motor blew up. Oh, yeah, oh, I scheduled that. <laughs> Transmission's out. Oh, yeah, well, we knew that was, yeah, it's, you know, whatever it is. You know, then the same week, the hot water heater and the dishwasher goes out and kids got a 103 fever and you blow a tire. So, oh, yeah, scheduled all that in. No, we just scheduled it in. That's, that's, that's called life, right? So what, what do you believe when that circumstance comes to you? Because how you handle that when that comes to you is determine what your future is going to look like. And if you don't have an established truth, an established belief, then it, he will gain the real estate of your mind and begin to control your feelings and your thoughts and your words, which will be your actions, which will be your beliefs. It will be your beliefs. And then your behavior will come out of all that. See, for, the, for, the, for, the, for years, the church has tried to change people by changing their behavior. Well, you didn't change anything. I mean, you know, you, you, I can make a five-year-old do right, but when that five-year-old is 18 years old and you can't watch him every day or her every day, Unless you can stay awake 24 hours a day. Huh? Well, so here's the deal. What are we going to do with what we believe? And what do we believe? That's what's driving your feelings. That's what's driving your emotions, your words. That's what's controlling your life. Now, we know 3 John 2 said, God said, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. That's an established truth. God's greatest desire that I wish that you prosper and be in health. John 10 said, I come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. So the great deception, say it with me, the great deception. And that's what it is. Satan is a deceiver, isn't he? That you might need to go do something about this. Take control of your life. You need to do this. Yeah, I know the Bible says this, but you need to add to that. Well, that's what he told Adam and Eve without going to that, right? Did God say that? Did he really say this? Look at, look at the tree. Look at the fruit. It looks good. You, you can tell if it looks good to be good for eating. And God just knows. He's just holding, holding out on you. Just look, if you just eat this, you can be like him. Which sounds, I mean, it just sounds, you know, from this side and looking back, it just sounds like, how did y'all fall for that? I mean, I don't know what the fruit is. They say it's an apple. There's, there's nothing there that says an apple, but I don't care. You know, it was an apple. But can you see you falling and losing, become separated from God over an apple? <laughs> you say, no, I've been a tangerine. Oh, really? Well, <clears throat> could have been anything. Could have been anything. But what did he do? He went in there and he put a seed. He put a thought in there and said, did God say this? And got him to look at that. What is he doing? He's looking for real estate. He's, he's waging a warfare. Where at? In their mind. So the battle <clears throat> by deception through your flesh, through your senses, or through the carnal mind goes to work to undermine what you believe from the Word. The, the way I said this, I don't know if I ever said it this way before, but what Satan really wants to do, and I was studied this out yesterday. It came to me this way. He wants to work Romans 12, 2 in reverse. 
Romans 12, you know, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might what? Prove what is the perfect, accepted, and the perfect will of God. Well, he knows that's how it works. Satan knows it works exactly that way. So since he knows that works, he wants to work it, but he wants to work it in reverse. He said, I, I need to change what they're conformed to. Because I'm going to make a, I'm going to build a different shape. I looked at the word conformed in the Greek, not in the dictionary, but in the Greek, uh, strongest accordance. And it means to fashion to of similar behavior and same essential nature. So I want to, I, I want to come in there and wage a warfare, but I'm not going to tell you it's a warfare. And I'm just going to pose you questions. In the, in the area of you and your life, and because demons study people and their habits. and their, So he poses this question to you because if you're driven by your feelings and you're driven by your emotions and how you feel and what it looks like in the circumstances, the questions will come in those areas because he sees, he sees weakness there. And he sees, he can tell whether you're established or whether you're not established. And he sees that you're not established, he'll go find a place or he'll, he'll try to enter in there. He's not coming in at your strong place. He's looking for weakness. In other words, if a chain is going to break, it's going to, it's going to break at the weakest link. A marriage is going to break if it's going to break at its weakest link. Hmm? So he comes in and he attacks that to undermine what you believe in the word. So in reverse, he wants to conform your mind until he has built a stronghold, a stronghold of imaginations and thoughts. And then he says, I now have new real estate. Now I can maneuver around this body and do what I want to with it. He points out people that you know of. Now, you, you this is a process. And he, he'll take a long time, especially if you have knowledge. He'll look for just a little chink. And he, he figures, I'm going to live longer than you are. So it may take me 25 years to take her down, but she's going down. <laughs> it may take 50 years. I'll just take something dear from you. Or I'll attack you or whatever it is. If I can't get to you, I'll get to your children. If I can't get them, I'll get to your grandchildren. If I can't get that, I'll, I'll get to you. I'll, I'll get all of it. But you come back with a word. You see, because that's truth. And he has no power over truth. Hmm? The Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit of truth. And he can't overpower the Holy Spirit. Can he? He can't, he can't over truth so we got to think about what we're thinking about someone came to my mind this morning as a minister who needs some help and I said Lord if you give me some seed to sow I'll send it to him tomorrow I said I'd like to send him this right away I know he's going through a little situation 
And if you'll give me seed to sow, um, no, you don't have to use me, but if you'll give me seed to sow, I'll get to send the mail in the morning. Hallelujah. Well, for those Facebook that you don't know, seed came to me, you know, before the service, right? Hallelujah. And we're still, and we're, and we're still here. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not faith that hence is dead, you know. <laughs> that's good. But <clears throat> that's, the, that's the deception. So, he, so he'll, he'll talk to you about other people. In other words, like, yeah, you believe this, but what about so-and-so? Well, they believe that too. Look what happened to them. Your mind ever tried to wander over there? Well, if you believe God, how could this ever happen? Well, he, he, he's been using that one forever. Huh? Jesus died for you. Amen. You. Why? You. People have all kinds of thoughts that, that they don't share with you. I've been with many people when they left this world. Sometimes I didn't see the vulnerability until the last few days because they were tired and they were weary. And then because of their weariness, then they, they, they said things. And it's like, wow. I mean, but they, they, were, they were tired. They were weary. And out of that fight, they were ready to go. As, as their pastor, some of them said, the mate would say, well, let's have pastor pray before he goes. And they would say, I, I don't want him to. Thank you for coming. I wish you would you go home now. I'm tired and I want, I want to go to heaven. Would you please not pray for me? Well, I mean, could be medication, could be a lot of things, whatever. But, but it, it, that, that's the human side of having a body. Right? If you get in enough trouble quick enough, you're just looking for the way out, whether it's right or wrong. So let's not hold that against anybody. But, but we're here and God's using you and, we, and we, we, we need more than information. We need some revelation. And you need to have revelation for yourself, not just for anything I'm teaching you, somebody else teaching you. Because if you, if you don't have revelation and it's not yours and I have it, then when you go fight him, you're fighting with second-hand information. And you need some first-hand information. Right. It's like the, the guys, the seven sons of Sceva. So I, you know, I deal with you in the same name of whoever Paul's talking to y'all about. And they says, yeah, we know Paul. We know Jesus. And you fix to know us. <laughs> and them demons jumped on that man and beat him 50 ways from Sunday. He left there cut up, and naked and all that. <laughs> he thought, I ain't talking to more demons. <laughs> Demon knows what you believe. Right? So what do you believe? But what if what you believe is a lie? What's going to happen to you? So you need this. Miss Debbie Billings used to say it this way. She said, you, you, you need a truth bucket. And every, you need to look in the bucket and, and find out what's in the bucket. And what's not truth, you need to get it out of the bucket. And a lot of us have things in there we've been holding on to years. It's just... Sunday school or, or tradition or whatever, how we grew up or mom and them or whatever. And we just say, well, it's, it's just this. You know, it's just that old thing about, um, you know, old story said many times about Thanksgiving. And, you know, grandma would, you know, she cooked the turkey and then she turned over to, to her daughter and, 
And she just, you know, she cut that, well, it was a ham, I guess it was. And uh, so she only had one big old, what would you call it? Women? Roasting pan. It wasn't big enough. So, she, well, she had one that she didn't know why, but she said uh, she went to go borrow one from her sister. She says, why do you need one? One that fit in that one? She says, yeah, it fits in there. But she said, that ain't the way Grandma always did it. She, she cut off this much and put it in another one. I don't know if there was a reason for it to let the juices get to it from the other end. I don't know what it was. And she says, well, ask her when she comes here for Thanksgiving. She says, yeah, I got a pan. Go ahead and get it. And so she got the pan, she went home, took her ham, and she, you know, cut that much off the end and put it over in the, the one she borrowed from her sister. And Grandma got there for Thanksgiving. She said, Grandma, we've been asking you this question forever. She said, when you, you cook the ham, you always done it this way. What was the reason for cutting off that last few inches? Did it, did it help tenderize more, more? She says, oh, no, it wasn't none of that. She said, I used to never have a, a, a pan big enough to put the whole thing in it. <laughs> so for years, they're holding on to tradition. Well, they just had the wrong cookware. <laughs> well, that's what Jesus said. He said, it's your traditions that's making the Word of God, oh, non-effectual. A tradition makes the Word of God non-effectual? He said, your tradition, not mine, is making my word in your life to no effect for you. A tradition. So what do you believe to be true? And how much are you thinking about what you think about? Mm-hmm. So he'll have you pointing out people or families or a successful minister or or someone who believe and talk what you believe and maybe they fail. Someone died in the process and he bombards the mind because it's a war. It's a battle. And the battleground is in the mind. And we can't, we can't keep thoughts from coming to us. But we, we can keep them from staying. Casting down every imagination. Casting it what? Down. I mean, you ought to be like your military. You ought to, you know, you got enemy fire come in, shoot it down, cast it down. We said this before. We can't keep them from thoughts from coming, but we ought to create a no-fly zone. Our military, that's what we have as a sovereign nation. You can come to our borders, and whether it's the Air Force or the whoever it is, they're telling you someone's coming from you know Russia, someone's coming from this country. This is you know they're telling you you're running into a, uh, in other words, you're entering, entering into a, an area that's no longer is your real estate, and we're advising you strongly to turn around. And if you don't adhere to that, and we know you're we're making contact with you then we have to assume that you're, for whatever reason, you're not, you're not here on friendly terms. So uh, we're telling you, turn around. We're telling you, cease in your maneuvers. But if you continue on that way, we're saying, now, don't, you won't have to worry about turning around. <laughs> we're taking you down. <laughs> it's called a no-fly zone. You're not flying in here. So Satan's bombarding your mind. You need to tell him, uh, this is a no-fly zone for you, sucker. Amen. 
You are a trespasser. So we must attack and destroy them as we would the enemy coming to the U.S. Said this a while ago, but Satan's very subtle. His goal is for you to not think of him. Matter of fact, he would like for you to think he does not even exist. Hmm? He doesn't want you to think about him. No. He's willing to wait a very long time taking small errors for real estate. Amen. Now, here's one of the big deals. Religion is one of the greatest strategies that he has. The Bible says that we should know our adversary and we should know, we should know his strategies. Satan is working a strategy. Always working a strategy. I'm, I'm going to expose one of his tactics today, if that's okay. And here's, here's, here's the seems like a play of words. And as we go on and teach this, you'll see it, it'll become abundantly clear. Did you know there's a difference between a Christian life and the Christian life? Yeah. You said it's the same, isn't it? A Christian and the Christian? No. The Bible says you have to try the Spirit to know which one's from Christ. He said there's many spirits in the world. There's, there's many spirits, and then there's the Holy Spirit. So the Christian life, or a Christian life. Now, I was told all my life, uh, I got born again, I was in the fourth grade, that I was t taught in some form of Sunday school, whatever, that, well, I don't know how you got saved, but I, but, but I got saved off the song, uh, Just As I Am. You know, they played it, Just As I Am, without one plea, but the... His blood was shed for me, and I come down and you know, squalling, and it was all real, and I was happy, and I was excited, and I was ten years old, and I, I gave my life to Jesus, truly meant it, and uh, and then they started telling, then they, then they started teaching me my responsibility. Now, I got saved on a Wednesday night, but on Thursday it all changed. Thursday, you come just the way you are. Not so much on Thursday. <laughs> Thursday, we're going to have to step this thing up. Then we know what I'm talking about? Now, I'm talking about religion. That's what I'm talking about. So just as I am. Uh, and so you can still go to any church, including this one, and say, do you believe God will take anyone, the hearts, true and right? And will he save anyone? Yes. Will he, will he save Hitler on a deathbed? Well, I don't know if he did, or Hitler cried out, but if he would have, he, then Hitler would have been saved. As horrific as things that he did. So he would take anyone, right? But I was told, and I was always taught, he'll take you just the way that you are. But now that you are a Christian, let me tell you what, what that means and what that's going to look like for you. And this is what you will do, and this is what you will no longer do. It's like joining a club. Hmm? You know, whether you're going into a, a country club or you're joining, you know, uh, Sam's club or whatever, there's rules and there's regulations. And so I, I had joined the club. And then, you know, if you was in there for a while and you look like one of the 
the better ones, you might become a deacon. And deacons get a whole another set of rules. Huh? And you say, you say well, isn't there? Yeah, well, there's, there's guidelines for deacons in here. Makes most people mad, but really deacons falls under the ministry of helps. Not, not, to run the, not to run the church and the pastor. Now, it, it, it works that way, and it's going to always work that way, probably, until Jesus comes back. <clears throat> uh, because, you know, the majority of churches, uh, Raymond Grad, just like I am, mostly are by majority, not all of it, probably the vast majority of Raymond Grad just pioneered their church. That's not the way. It works in the denominational world. There was a church, and they needed the pastor, and then they put out a search committee, and they run 25 of them through there and, you know, looked them over and listened to them and checked their teeth and, you know, and want to know if your wife could sing or play the piano or whatever. And we, you know, sometimes you'd have them come back and give them a second try. you want to hear two or three sermons. You know, just kind of look them over, you know, like going to a, I go into a car sale and auction and like going to the stockyard, you know, you you know, you check the cow, check the horse, look it over and all that kind of stuff and say, I ain't heard it move yet. <laughs> well, that was in first Samuel 17 where God said, go anoint a king. Prophet did the same thing, lined up all of them. He said, let me see T. Say move. <laughs> I bet you see him. Lord said, ain't him. Ain't him. Ain't him. Ain't him. Well, him wasn't even in the lineup. Hmm? So that's not even how the Lord picked a king. So the ministry of the deacon is to undergird and to help the ministry. Well, that's true for all of us. That's just part of the body. All your body functions as one. And when your body's, God designed the body to heal itself. And when one part's hurting, the, the rest of the body comes to the aid of the hurting part of the body, right? I mean, you know, you might put a band-aid for a while, but after a while the skin comes out together. God made it that way. But Paul likened that to the body. If one part of our body is suffering, the rest of us in, in the body, in the church, we come to the aid of the one who's suffering. Instead of just say, oh, I'll have faith in God. Well, they have faith in God. They have faith in God. Amen. But they, maybe, maybe, they had, maybe they were wounded. Maybe they were knocked down. Hmm? That's, that's, that's who we are. That's part of being the body. We, we're, we're, we're there for one another, for the building up and for the edifying, and we all have a supply. I mean, what good would I be as a pastor if I didn't have somewhere to be fed? If I didn't have someone who's coming to my aid from time to time? What could I give out? We'd run to the end of me real fast. So I, I submerge myself or I emerge myself in the Word and with, with other people and other ministers and, and, and friends. And, you know, I'm, I have ones that, you know, Check me, and sometimes they ask me to check them, saying, am I, am I, "Do I even sound right?" Or is this, especially if you're under an attack, yeah. right? Yeah. 
And uh, it's like running for them wasps. I mean, that's not the way I usually would run. I mean, I was running, and, you know, and I was going like this. You know, I was, didn't know if they were behind me, but I was acting like they was behind me. So it looked kind of spastic, but I mean, I was running wide open. I don't think a gazelle could have kept up with me. <laughs> Amy was like, I mean, I, I, I saw it, but I can't even believe it. She said, it's just like, she said, you was like so fast. She says, wasn't your back hurt? And I said, don't know. <laughs> and it wasn't nowhere near where, you know, that's just like two years ago. It's like, wasn't, and it's like, I don't know if it hurt or not. <laughs> Hallelujah. But that's what religion does. So uh, they tell me, you know, you know, come just the way that you are. And uh, the deal with that is, is that you, you have a form of God, but the, you deny the power thereof. You have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power thereof. And uh, so I'm going to call this a Christian life. And so it becomes, the idea is, what was told me is now that you're born again, you're a believer, then you, this is what you need to do as a believer. This, this is what you do to please God. And then you ask God to help you. All sounds good right now. Seems to make sense. You ask God to help you. And you ask God what you need to do to please Him. In other words, you start working for God to please God. Nothing sounds wrong. Sounds absolutely right. But it's, it's a self-focused, self-sufficient gospel. It's called religion. All the focus is on me. Which no, no longer can I look at Him. Jesus said, I know what I would do, but Philip, what would you do? Well, they said, I'd send these people away. He said, well, I don't want to send them away. Well, why wouldn't you send them away? We don't have it, just this little boy's lunch. Thousands of people, little boy's lunch. Send them away. It's going to be dark real soon. Jesus said, sit them down. Time beat. So a Christian life is one who's trying to keep rules, trying to keep commandments, trying to change or transform themselves. Uh, trying to become a better person, turn over a brand new leaf maybe, uh, see myself free, trying to produce or engage the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And I tried this for years. As a young kid when I got saved, I tried it as a teenager and it didn't work because I kept on slipping up. I tried it as an adult and I failed and I kept slipping up. I tried it for years as a pastor and it didn't work. I kept slipping up. And every time I slipped up, you know what I felt? It produced shame, guilt, and condemnation, and fear, and, a, and, a, and just a great sense of unworthiness. And then for me, what he would use on me, he says, look, 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 look at what you just said, what you did, and, and here you are, a preacher of the gospel. You ain't no been in no pulpit. See, he intensified it because of my position in the body. So my life became sometimes a series of ups and downs, good days and bad days, victories and defeats, emotional highs and emotional lows, all based on Eric West's performance. All based on how well I lived a Christian life. But it wasn't Christ. It was church. It was, it was religion and not relationship. But thank God, 
I came to know the truth. And I cried out to God like Apostle Paul did, and we'll read it for another time. We don't have time today, but out of Romans 7 and Romans 8. But I find out the truth. And here it is. Here it is in a nutshell. Here's how, here's how I wrote it down. You might say it a lot of different ways. Here's the truth that I came to know many years now that has liberated me from being a Christian to the Christian. God never intended for you and for me to live a Christian life that only Christ can live through you. He never intended for you to live a life that only Christ, His life. See, it ought to been simple. It was in the Word. Christian. Christ. In Christian. Who? Christ. It was His life. So I'm trying to reproduce a life out of my self-effort and my ability and my intellect through a set of rules, re- relating to God through rules, trying to be holy enough, trying to be good enough, trying to be self-sufficient enough that I could please Him. And it was His life and not even mine. Praise God. So the question I asked you, if believing the truth will set you free, what will, be, what will believing a lie do for you? The truth is that you nor I can live the Christian life. Only Christ can. Now here's a few verses, and you know them. We won't turn there. But I, I want you to listen to these verses, and I want you to hear your... See if you can find you in these verses. His life or your life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Who is? He is. <clears throat> Where are you in that? Oh, that's right, you're not. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Here's the clincher. Paul said, oh, Philippians 1, 21. He's, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. God never intended you to live a Christian life. Paul said, for me to even be alive is Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 in the RSV says, He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God in righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Where are you in these verses? Now, it's for you. But there's nothing in here that mentions you or I. It's all Christ. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. So here's the truth, and that's the revelation, that there's only one person that can live the Christian life, and that is Christ, who is your life. And religion and well-meaning people meant well. I meant well. People told me to be a success with God's help, that I could live a life that would be pleasing to God. And the truth is, there's only one source of this life, and that's Christ Himself. And it's, So the lie that I believe to be a truth, that lie kept me in bondage with no transformation. What do you believe to be true that may not be true, and where would that take you? And what do you think about what you're thinking about? So the lie that kept me in bondage 
kept me with no transformation in my life. But here's the other part of that. But the truth set me free and transformed my life. The truth did. Set me free. In, a little, in just a little cross-section here, just uh, between a, a life, a Christian life and the Christian life, I'll just give you four things here. A Christian life is a set of rules and regulations. It's a, it's a to-do list to complete. But the Christian life is this. The Christian life is a person. It's Jesus Christ himself. A Christian life uses your strength and your willpower, your intellect, your ability to live this Christian life. But the Christian life will live free and we live from Christ as the source of our life. A Christian life is living and working for God to get you uh, to get your needs met from Him. Living and working for God to get your needs met for Him. But the Christian life is trusting God to live His life in you, whom all your needs have already been supplied. Amen. Number four, trying to change yourself with God's help is a Christian life. But the Christian life is trusting God to transform the way that I think, choose, and believe, and behave. The lie is a self-occupied lie. Religion. A lie is self-occupied. You see yourself. The truth is, it's Christ's observation. You see Him. I no longer see me. I see Him. Instead of working on behavior modification in people to get them to behave like a Christian... What I do is I do what Satan does, but with the anointing and the power, and I go in and I go to the heart to change what you believe. Because if I can change at heart level what you believe, then the, the, the behavior will be the outsource of that. Right? I mean, what do you believe about finances? What do you believe about healing? What do you believe about this? What do you believe about grief and sorrow? What do you believe about end days and all that? Any of these things are pitfalls. Things happen, things happen to everyone. You don't think so? Just keep on living. Just keep on living. Right? And you'll have the opportunity to make a choice about that and what you believe. So Satan wants the real estate of your mind. If he can get your mind, he'll control your life. Because you'll live out of your senses. And you'll say, this don't feel good. And this don't look good. And the x-ray is this. And this just happened to me. And how could that have happened to us? And he'll get you to think. And he'll, he'll want you to answer his senses out of your sense realm instead of going to the Word of God. If he's going to attack Jesus in the wilderness, if, look, if you're going to attack Jesus the Word with the Word, you don't think he's coming for you? I mean, if you're going to attack the Word, if Jesus would have ever done what he told him to do, we, we would not be redeemed right now. Jesus said, I, don't, I can't do anything, and I don't say anything. I can't even do it. Jesus believed God was the source. He said, I can't say and do. They said that he, Jesus said, the miracles that you see, he said, it's him doing it. So if Jesus had tried to turn them stones into bread, he would have been, he would have been acting up upon Satan's words instead of God's words. And they wouldn't turn into bread. This thing would have been all over. What do you believe? And are you thinking about what you believe? So we'll finish it up with this. He is the source of your life. 
Another word for that is producer. Source in this context means uh, from what something originates. Acts 17, 28 says, In Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our being. Romans eleven thirty six 36 says, From Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Where are you at? Where are you at in there? You're not in there, are you? For us. He did it for us. Now watch here. That's Romans eleven thirty six. the last one. The message says everything comes from Him. Everything happens through Him. Everything ends up in Him. Always glory, always praise. Yes, yes, yes. Christ is our source, means He's our supply, which means He's also the producer. Philippians 1, 16, Paul said, I am confident of this one thing, that He who began His good work in me, He will bring it to completion by Christ Jesus. Where are you in that verse? So this is not a me gospel. You know, you could just tell him, we got no fly zone. And this is your house. And you can just tell Satan it's not up for sale. Now over here they post a sign over the house for sale. But you can tell this the house is not for sale. It's being remodeled. It's being transformed. It's being changed over. We stay in. You cannot even come visit. Hmm. Did you get that? I would say this is my mind. And I have the mind of Christ. And the wisdom of God is formed within me. My body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And Satan is nothing more than an intruder. That's all he is. That's all that he is. So for me to live is Christ. Christ in me. The hope of glory. So there's a difference between a Christian life and the Christian life. And He produced for you the Christian life, which is the Christ life. So we're not working to get results. Hmm? He who began the work, He'll finish it. He'll finish it. He'll finish it. Well, that's what you do. You say, well, this, but this is a mess. And the bigger mess looks like you need to do something. Well, I can take my mess to a mechanic or to an auto man here, and I say, this car's a mess. It's so bad, I think I better stay here and have you work on it. <laughs> well, years ago, when I used to manage or run the carpet store, and I took a lot of jobs that I wouldn't take later on. I did a lot of things in the beginning that I wouldn't do later on when I, when I didn't need to do them. And they said, oh, y'all can just work you know, way into the night if you want to. We won't even bother y'all. Well, I didn't want to work way into the night. I mean, I've been, I've been but I, you know, you do a lot when you get get a, get a business started. But they, people would ask me this. I don't know if you. I don't think no one would ask Nathan this. Surely they wouldn't ask him this. Uh, Bill would probably get this. 
But, but uh, let's see, how, how much would you charge to come help us lay this floor covering? I said, well, if you're going to help, it's going to cost about three times what it would if you just go away. <laughs> you ever, whatever, wanted to help you? I mean, yeah. And, and they didn't even own a wrench. Didn't know what was wrong with the car, and they go, and they go, and you know, and, you, and you're going to help them. Yeah, the biggest help you could be is just get out of the way. Right? You know, God went to work on Abraham. You know how he did it? He put him to sleep. <laughs> God had to help uh, uh, John the Baptist's uh, dad. What was his name? Zechariah. Zacchaeus? Yeah. Yeah, the only way he could help him he said, was to make him a mute, to shut his mouth. So <clears throat> Jesus is now taking advice. He doesn't need any. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. Hallelujah. And he knows how to live the successful life through you. So it's his life, not yours. And I'm telling you, they're, they're, <clears throat> they've got this thing down pat. Amen. They've, they're, you know, uh, God didn't need practice, but if he did, he's had a few billions and trillions of, of, of people to work with through the years. So you're not going to come up with something like, oh, this new thing's happened. Yeah, well, it, it ain't new to the Lord. <laughs> it ain't new. It's not new. There's no temptations taken to you, but such as common to any man. So don't think you're in some special category, whatever. You're not. But through all things, you have the victory through Jesus Christ. And that's the truth. So see how you're going to have to post the truth? Because it's coming for real estate. Amen. Well, God bless you. I call you blessed in Jesus' name. Going out and you're coming in. And I believe in Jesus' name tomorrow, the state of Alabama gets wet. <laughs> I wasn't saying that in March. I was believing for it to be dry. And boy, did we get that. Hallelujah. Now we're believing for it to be wet and be safe and protected. I bless you in Jesus' name. See my life as a gift from heaven Every breath something you've given Like me.